Hello and welcome to episode 201 of the Cricket Hair Weekly. Now in the UK this week, everyone's been obsessed with a murderous psychological game where no one knows who's still going to be alive at the end of the day. Raf, what has been going on with English cricket and the WPL? You may have noticed our backdrop, those of you who are watching the video version of this, and that was a reference to the, the traitors in the UK, uh, but in terms of the WPL, essentially what's happened is um, that the BCCI have confirmed the dates for the WPL, which were kind of rumoured, there were rumours about them, but we didn't actually have them confirmed, um, so the final is going to be on the 17th of March. Now, England and New Zealand have this um, uh, series taking place that's uh, starting on the 19th of March. And um, the ECB are planning to announce the squads um, to tour New Zealand um, in the coming days. So um, it has emerged that they have said to the England players, eight of whom had WPL contracts for this year's edition of the tournament, basically they've said... Um, not just that it's um, that you can't play in the first of, um, of the first T20 against New Zealand because of um, having to travel um, if you are, end up playing in a WPL final, but that you actually won't be able to play in any of the T20s. There's going to be three T20s and you can't play in any of them. Um, so yeah, it's um, it's a it's a little bit of a showdown. Um, the, now the eight England players who did have um, WPL, well, some of them still do have WPL contracts, um, are Alice Capsey, Izzy Wong, Natalie LeBrunt, Heather Knight, Kate Cross, Sophie Eccleston, um, Danny Wyatt, and Lauren Bell. And um, on Friday, Lauren Bell withdrew. From the tournament saying that she wanted to prepare for the New Zealand series and spend her time doing that instead um, and then yesterday um, so Saturday because we're recording this on Sunday um, Heather Knight has also withdrawn so there's been a lot of talk about this on social media as you can imagine it's actually quite a bit um there's quite a big conversation quite a lot of controversy around this um, and there's probably um, quite a lot of kind of questions on there. I put a tweet out yesterday and we had uh, had some really interesting responses. Um, so I thought that I might actually read out one of the tweets because I think there are four really interesting questions um, that have been posed by Heather. So I'll read them out and then we'll maybe go through them one by one, Sid. So firstly, is this coming from the ECB or from John Lewis? Secondly, will there be more withdrawals to come? Thirdly, is this a power struggle between the will of the ECB and the BCCI? And fourthly, is the PCA, so the England Professional Cricketers Association, silent on this? So question one, Sid, is this coming from the ECB or is this coming from John Lewis? Well, I think that obviously we don't really know the answer to this. Um, one thing that's incredibly interesting is, of course, John Lewis himself has a contract with the WPL. Yeah. So he's going to be managing one of the teams. Um, as far as we understand, he has basically told the team that he's managing, the UP Warriors, yeah. um, that he will be leaving um, prior to the final. So if they get to the final, they're not going to have their head coach. I can't imagine that the owners of UP Warriors are terribly no. happy about this, and to be I, honest. And I wonder whether, that he, if it came to it, whether he would actually be permitted to go, because presumably he is, his contract says that you will be present for the whole of the tournament, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah, we don't know what the situation is with that. But, um, you know, overall, um, it feels like 
it feels like what's going on here is that the England management are putting pressure on the players, basically. So the England management don't want to say explicitly you can't go, and we'll come back to that in a minute, but they're putting, putting some sort of moral pressure on the players and going, you know, really, you know, you probably want to consider this, guys. Um, and, you know, that's a much easier question for some people to consider than others, right? Um, not least because of the, the amounts of money involved. Yeah. Um, so, you know, the two players that were, have um, withdrawn already from the whole of WPL, let's, let's kind of think about what's involved for those two players. So they were both on reasonably low money in the WPL. Um, and don't forget that the WPL money, especially if you don't play the games, you lose money. Mm -hmm. So if you're contracted for £30,000 but you don't play any games, you don't get anything like £30,000. I don't know exactly what you do get, but you don't get the full £30,000. So if you're in you know, Lauren Bell or Heather Knight's situation, you're going to lose some money from the WPL, but you're going to gain back money from playing in those three England games. You're going to get back £15,000, basically, £5,000 per game. You're gaining a lot more money than you would have this time last year because of the fact that the ECB equalised match yeah. players with the men. But you're not throwing away a huge amount of money, basically. So Heather Knight hasn't had to throw away a huge amount of money. After tax, I reckon she's thrown away about four grand. I mean, it's not an insignificant amount of money. And obviously, plenty of people in, you know, that are not doing as well as Heather Knight is will go, well, I wouldn't throw away four grand, of course. But, you know, Heather... Heather Heather Knight, not Heather Graham, excuse me. Heather Knight's making, you know, a decent salary at the yeah. moment. So that's actually not. Whereas if you're Nat Siver, you're being asked to, to, if you miss the whole WPL, you're being asked, don't forget, she's 30 years old, she's at the end, towards the end of her career, you're being asked to throw away a quarter of a million pounds. Mm. Now, you know, everyone went wild about the traitors this week. The person that won the traitors got, what, 95,000 pounds? Yeah. Um, you know, and that was considered, you know, a lot, that is a lot of money. To, to it, almost anybody, that's yeah. a lot of money. A quarter of a million pounds you're being asked to throw yeah. away if you're Nat Siver, if you're being kind of pressured to miss the entire WPL. That's a huge chunk of money. Yeah, I mean, to be fair, the ECB are saying, no, you only have to miss the final. And we don't actually know what the financial implications of that are, do we? In no, terms not, of it's how, not exactly what, what how much. chunk it takes out yeah. of your contract. But I think that the other thing to mention here is that, of course, if, you, if your team does get to the final and you end up having to miss it, then you're potentially putting your place in future iterations of the WPL at risk. Are they really going to want you back when they know that the ECB snaps their fingers um, and you then disappear from the tournament at yeah. a particular stage. This is a tournament that, you know, there would be lots of players who would absolutely love to be on the tier of contract that Nat Siver is on um, in this tournament. So I think that you're all, you also have to balance um, the, the earnings that you might potentially lose this time around um, and potentially annoying England and the ECB with what happens in the next, you know, four or five years for yourself. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I have to say that I think that the the reason why this has really kicked off, we don't we don't know the extent to which it's John Lewis snapping his fingers and going everybody has to come and prioritise England over um, franchise cricket. We we don't know that. But the reason that this has kicked off on social media is because it looks terrible from the perspective of the fact that John Lewis is coaching in this tournament. So on the one hand, the ECB are saying, well, we expect our players to prioritise their England commitments. And on the other hand, they're saying it's perfectly acceptable for our head coach, who we employ on a year round basis to do this job, who's presumably pretty well remunerated for doing it, um, to just disappear ahead yeah. of the ahead of a tour for the preparation. He's John Lewis is not going on either of the two winter camps that have been announced this week, um, or 
um, you know, there's going to be one in Spain and, um, and one back in India. Um, he's not going on either of those because he's, he's going to the WPL to coach in it. Okay, fine. The ECB have let him go. They've obviously had a conversation around that. But to then crack the whip and try to say that your players are prioritising franchise cricket over international commitment and then to do put that moral pressure on the players to say, how dare you um, not put England above everything else? It's just a huge double standard. Yeah, and Heather Knight pulling out the entire tournament really is well, kind of England management yeah, going, you know, we well, think this is what you should I mean, do, really. This is, the moral, yeah, this exactly. is the moral stance. And let's have a look at the language in the statement that the ECB put out about this. When schedules were released, it became clear that to prepare optimally for England's tour to New Zealand um, would mean missing the end of the WPL campaign and Knight has decided to prioritise England. Now, if that isn't, if that statement isn't moral pressure about optimal preparation for the England tour to New Zealand, then I don't know what yeah. is. Yeah, so we think it would have been a much better look from, from John Lewis if he'd gone, look, I'm giving up my WPL contract. Exactly. So yeah, yes. I'm setting the example yes. here. Yes. Why? Why couldn't he do that? Yeah, absolutely. That's a really good point, Sid. Well, so they're expecting. No one was stopping They're expecting the players to do that, but not John Lewis. Anyway, so I think that that is what has really got my goat. Because if I think about it logically, I actually do think, and I think you probably agree with me, Sid, that actually. Um, players probably should be prioritising international commitments over franchise tournaments, right? If it came down to it? Well, I mean, I, 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 I'm really, I don't think the players should have ended up in this position. They should, shouldn't have ended up in a position where the, where the ECB are putting moral pressure on them. Yeah. They're going, well, you can do it if you don't want to prepare optimally. And, and it's like, that's, that's unfair. And it's unfair on people like Alice Capsi. It's unfair on yeah. Matt Stiver, given the amounts of money involved. Um, you know, there are a couple of players playing WPL. Probably uh, Kate Cross, Izzy Wong, probably wouldn't have been in the T20 squad anyway. Um, but you know, it still makes life difficult for them because there are still open questions for yeah, them. Absolutely. So it's I don't, I don't okay, think so, so they shouldn't have been put in this position. But if we think about it from a kind of philosophical perspective, if you you know, and we've talked about this before in relation to other franchise tournaments, that actually we were, for example, a bit cross with the fact that the England players at the end of last season ended up quite tired and saying we're not going to bother playing against Sri Lanka when they'd already played in two or three franchise competitions in the preceding 12 months. We felt that that was a poor um, kind of allocation yeah, of, think, allocation of workload, right? Yeah, and I so, still stand by yeah, that, Yeah, okay. So from a kind of philosophical perspective, it's not that we think that it's wrong um, for, for international players to prioritise international cricket over franchise tournaments, but what we do feel is very much in this scenario, or certainly what I feel very much in this scenario, that it's terrible because of the fact that John Lewis is coaching in the competition. You can't get away from it. It's, as I said a couple of times now, double standard. That's the problem. So what about the second question? Well, the second question is, will there be more withdrawals to come? Um, which to some extent you've sort of answered in the sense of there being this um you know they're being it's different depending on depending on the player in question right? yeah so i don't I, I, the, the, the couple of players that um presumably won't be in a t20 squad obviously they're not going to withdraw um i it, it does feel a bit like you know that the heather knight putting out that statement was a message to the other players um because clearly they haven't withdrawn already Obviously, conversations would have been had within the camp, which would have led to you know Lauren Bell saying, "Okay, I'm going to prioritise yeah. England." Um, and I, I just want to say, I, I think that's really poor. That um, it it reads to me like Lauren Bell, as a young player, 
there's been there has been pressure placed on her specifically and that some of these other players are a bit older you're Danny Wyatt's you're Nat Silverbrunt's they're a bit older and they've got a little bit more kind of um sway or um they feel more confident in actually saying um well no England I'm going to do the thing yeah. that I committed to so my guess is that, that that we won't see any more withdrawals I think we'd have seen them already I think this okay. was an attempt to put pressure on those players if they haven't done it already my guess is that they won't but we'll see that's really interesting okay we will see um third and I guess the other thing that we'll see is whether when it comes to it and it is the final whether um some of these players might just say well yeah, we don't care. Yeah. Um, whatever, whatever they're privately saying to the ECB now, I mean. Anyway, um, the third question, is this a power struggle between the will of the ECB and the BCCI? Now, Sid, you've got quite strong feelings about the about the, the reason that this clash has ended up happening, right? Yeah, I mean, I think that ultimately everything's a power struggle when it comes to the BCCI. <laughs> yeah. No, everything's about the BCCI. You know, the, part of the reason we've ended up here is because the BCCI didn't announce the schedule for the WPL, yeah. and they've now announced the schedule and gone, well, there you go, here's our schedule. If you don't like it, we don't have any others. Um, and so, you know, the BCCI are just going, well, you know, do what you want, but we're going to do our thing. Um, you know, maybe the, you know, the ECB, I mean, the, the, the realities of power within cricket are that the BCI, you know, do hold the upper hand mm. um you know and maybe the the ecb you know in that sense should have accepted that maybe the ecb and new zealand cricket should have gone back and gone you know what we'll move the matches back a couple of days that's not unprecedented right we moved some england moved some matches to help sri lanka out um that's last true in September. the asia cup that's true um, so yeah. you know those matches that's potentially could have been moved yeah um you know i mean you know, does the struggle even need to happen, Raph? What is the situation here? Because it's two days, isn't there, between those yeah. matches? What, what, what? Well, I did have a look at flights because there was a lot of people saying, oh, this is logistically impossible. It's actually not logistically impossible. I've been on Skyscanner today looking for my cheap flights. Obviously, this is a completely different scenario because if I was one of these players, then I'd presumably be You'd have someone to go on Skyscanner for you. <laughs> yeah, but I'd also be looking at business class flights. Anyway, cost aside, okay, assuming that that's not a constraint here, there is a flight that leaves um, that leaves Delhi um, at 11.45pm um, on the, the day of the final. So the final's in the evening um, on the 17th. Um, you then have to transit through Singapore and Melbourne and Auckland and you finally get to Dunedin where the first T20 is taking place at 8.55am um, on the 19th, on the day of the, uh, of the T20, which isn't happening, I believe, till the afternoon. So you've got bags of time, guys. Don't know <laughs> time you, for a, don't time know for a full English not cup of tea. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, so it is actually logistically possible. And perhaps the BCCI would argue, yeah, there isn't a direct clash. We've given you a couple of days. You could send your players to this next match um, and they would be able to get there. They'd be absolutely flipping knackered. I mean, can you imagine the jet lag involved in that? But, you know, OK, so it is logistically possible, but it's probably not... Um, it's probably not ideal preparation for playing okay. in the international T20. But obviously the thing that the ECB has done is not just gone, well, um, it's about that first match clash. It's the, the fact that they've also said, I'm sorry, it's you can't play in matches, the other yeah. two matches. Um, there was a thing in Nick Friend's piece in The Cricketer saying, oh, it's too, it's too disruptive for the rest of the team. 
Um, so we need to know whether you're going to play in the WPL uh, ahead of us announcing the squad because if you're planning to prioritise the WPL final then there's a suggestion that they might not even get named in the squad um, because they want the, the same team to play in all three T20s and it's too disruptive otherwise. I mean that just feels um, punitive right that just feels like you're punishing the players um, and you're not you're not making any allowances for them. So I've got to say that I didn't think I'd be saying this, but to some extent, my sympathy is with the BCCI in this because they have actually, they haven't actually done. I mean, the real power move would have been uh, scheduling the final for the 19th of March, right? Which is when this, uh, which is when this T20 is actually happening. Um, and then, then you're in, you're, then you're talking about something a bit different, but they would probably be able to argue, well, we've, um, you know, we're not clashing directly with any international uh -huh. cricket and the, the, the calendar is becoming so crowded that it's quite difficult to avoid overlapping with stuff. Or it's quite difficult to, to be like, oh, well, we must have a week between the WPL final and mm -hmm. um, this first, yeah, this first England v New Zealand match. Anyway, I, I don't know. It'll be interesting to see what Sophie Devine does as well, right? Yeah, yeah, she's well, another one who, you know, very final. similar situation. Yeah, and we saw that you know with the WBBL that some of the New Zealand and South African players missed international games while they were at WBBL. So that kind of went in the opposite direction. Yeah. So. Okay, fourth question about the PCCA. PCA. PCA. Um, is the PCA silent? Well, I haven't seen anything from them. That doesn't mean they're not doing anything, and it has to be said that part of what's probably underlying this is an original agreement between the PCA and the ECB to allow the men to play in their equivalent in the IPL. Mm -hmm. So the PCA has kind of had have a sort of handshake gentleman's agreement with the ECB. I understand it's not a formal contractual, like legal thing, but that the ECB won't stop any men from playing in the IPL. And so probably that's kind of partly underlying what the ECB are doing here, because they're going, well, we're not actually stopping you. You know, you know, you yeah. won't be demonstrating your full commitment, but we're not stopping you. Yeah, but it's, that's not within the spirit of the but agreement anyway, the PCA's oh, got. And that's one of the things that I meant to say and that I didn't say that's annoying me about this is because it's a double standard as well between the men and the women, right? Yeah, definitely. That does appear to be the case, that, that this kind of pressure is no longer exerted on the men. I mean, it, it kind of was at one point, but, you know, we thought we'd moved on and then yeah. we we'll have to look at what's happening now. So I think it's disappointing that the PCA haven't put out a statement about this, um, to be honest. Anyway, let's let's see whether they do or not. Um, shall we talk about something that isn't England and the WPL? So news overnight is that there's been a historic win for South Africa against Australia. They have beaten Australia for the first time ever in any format of cricket. So South Africa had lost the first T20 and they've now won the second T20 in the series. Yeah, I was staggered about this because it just feels like they, surely they would have... Mm. And South Africa would have had one one victory at you know at some point, but no, apparently not. Um, and you know, a good win for them. And um, we've seen two quite similar games that have both gone to a sort of one hundred and forty ish. And the thing is, with one hundred and forty, you know, if you score one hundred and forty in the first innings in an international return of top side, it's going to be a toss up whether you win or not. You know, if you score one hundred and sixty plus, if you score one hundred and eighty, you're almost certainly going to win the game. One hundred and sixty, you're probably going to one hundred and fourteen, and that's what we've seen. Um, so, you know, Australia just, you know, didn't make enough runs to put the game out of reach today. Yeah. And South Africa caught it with, you know, an over to spare. Um, you know, the yesterday's game went the other way, but that's it. It's 50-50. Um, now, uh, Raf, you know, some months ago you suggested that Australia were maybe kind of 
slightly slipping down their pedestal. Well, I'm feeling, a, I'm feeling a bit smug here, Sid, because I seem to remember you disagreeing with me. I certainly said I'm right I, during that, the that, Ashes. That, you that, did. No, I didn't disagree. I, I said it was too early to tell. Okay. Well, I said that the Ashes <laughs> um, and England winning both of those white ball series against Australia, crucially during the Ashes, was a um, was a very important moment in the sense of that it was the end of an era, um, an end of the end of an era of Australian dominance of international cricket, and that is absolutely what we're seeing now, right? We're seeing that they dropped a match against India, they dropped a match against South Africa. They are not going to win everything. They are still a very good team, but they are not invincible. Um, and I'm going to keep saying it because I'm going to keep getting people telling me that I'm talking nonsense whenever I do say it. But I'm afraid that the signs are all there, you know. Megan Shue bowling to Laura Wolvar in the 19th over and conceding, the, and conceding 12 runs. We would not have seen that two or three years ago. Um, so, yeah, that's, that's where we're at now with Australia. Um, so it'll be really interesting to see what happens in the rest of the series because it is, of course, um, a multi-format series for points. Yeah, right? with a lovely new trophy with sort of three different metal balls uh, in, a, in a sort of plate. Yeah, which should um, really be two different types of metal balls because there's only a red and a white ball. There's three formats, Raph, okay. so okay. that's the way. So. I thought it was a nice trophy anyway. And it's really interesting because for me that trophy's interesting because yeah. they've, they've made a proper trophy yeah. for it. This isn't like one of those ones where they've got a bit of plastic and engraved something into it. <laughs> which they do sometimes seem to do. This yeah. is a proper, yeah. really nice trophy. It is nice. That somebody's put a lot it of thought nice. and effort into, yeah. into. And that suggests that they think this is going to carry on. They think there are going to be more more of these multi-format series. That this, and yeah. that's, that's a brilliant thing. That, yeah. um, you know, it demonstrates a commitment to this multi-format uh, multi format. format. Um, multi so that's, that's awesome and great trophy. <laughs> so, you know, one up to Cricket Australia for, yeah. for that. Good. Okay, and finally this week, um, let, just briefly, um, there's been some historic news coming out of West Indies. Um, so Cricket West Indies and the West Indies Players Association have signed a four-year memorandum of understanding, um, which outlines for the first time plans to achieve parity in international and regional match fees, in international captain's allowances, in international team prize money, and regional individual prize money for all West Indies cricketers by October 2027. So basically, it's a big step towards parity in pay. What do you make of it, Sid? Um, it's, it's kind of an interesting one. I think that um, I, one of the keys to it is the thing about the captaincy bonuses and things. Mm. Um, that what, what West Indies women need more than anything else <laughs> is to keep Hayley Matthews they on board. Hayley Matthews just been named the ICC's T20 Cricketer of the Year. Yeah. Obviously, it had a fantastic year, um, you know, probably the best year of her career, which Absolutely. is saying something considering the year she had when she was 16, when she won a World Cup single handedly. Yeah. Um, uh, but they desperately want to keep her on board, obviously, and therefore I, I would imagine the captaincy bonuses are quite a lot of the total money that gets paid, yeah. and therefore it's a, an opportunity for them to give her quite a big raise and yeah. say, look, we, you know, we need you on board and we're committed to you. For the rest of it, I think that the, 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 the big caveat really is that, that it's reasonably straightforward for them to do this because their men aren't paid very much. Mm. This is why the West Indies men keep, you know... Defecting <laughs> and... Yeah, yeah, going off to play franchise yeah. tournaments rather than playing test matches. Yeah. Um, you know, and, um, you know, it's easy to do when you're not playing your men very much, then you can obviously reasonably straightforwardly equalise those women fees. The opposite situation is the situation that the ECB have with the 100, for example, where unless you cut the fees of the men, which to be fair, they have effectively done this year by freezing them in an era of quite high inflation, but unless you cut the fees for the men, then you can't, you just, the money isn't there, it's going to cost you too many millions. Yeah. 
in West Indies are able to do that, but still good on them for doing it. Absolutely, really important philosophically. Um, and you know, the cynic would say a nice bit of positive PR for them when last week uh, we were talking about the tricky situation with the four retirements and Deandra Dotton. I thought I was supposed to be the cynic. <laughs> Deandra Dotton speculating on social media that there's something else going on behind the scenes that we don't actually know about. So yeah, nice bit of positive PR for Cricket West Indies. Okay. Great. Well, thanks for tuning in as ever. We'd love to hear your comments um, about what you make of the ECB versus England players situation. Um, did you enjoy the final of the Traitors? Oh, it was so good. Anyway, that's by the by. Uh, thanks very much for tuning in and we will see you in a week's time. Bye bye. Bye bye.